All right, welcome to Get Rominger on the Phone. I'm Carl Rominger. I'm your host. Tonight, we're going to talk about um, what Nero was doing while Rome burned, or in our case, what Donald John Trump was doing in the White House for 187 minutes. We have a little recap on that. If you didn't see the hearings on Thursday because you refused to participate or believe the hearings might be real, uh, well, you're only denying yourself for two reasons. Number one, you should watch them because they're historical and you might learn something. But even if you thought they were a total farce, did not Rush Limbaugh teach you anything? Did not Rush used to say that you had to arm yourself and be prepared to argue with your enemies? So when you don't watch the committee hearings or you haven't studied the material that's been presented, it shows. And when you make the argument, oh, it's all a bunch of uh, uh, you know, BS or who cares, uh, it shows in your arguments. It shows in the way you push back. If, on the other hand, you were to say, well, actually, I watched that woman testify. And let me tell you why I didn't believe here. And here's what cross-exam I would have asked her. And that's why I wouldn't put a lot of weight on the hearing. You'd be much more persuasive. So remember that. If you're going to argue, for instance, if you're a capitalist who wants to argue why Marx was wrong, you have to read Marx. If you're a Marxist, who wants to argue why capitalism is wrong, you should read uh, Pitney, right? Um, Steve Bannon was convicted, convicted of contempt of Congress. I listened to my good friend, uh, Tucker uh, Carlson, say, oh, this is a farce. It's a, it's a one-sided political witch hunt prosecution. It was really simple for Steve Bannon to avoid the prosecution. He just had to show up and honor the subpoena. He could have simply invoked executive privilege when he got there uh, or filed objections, et cetera. Instead, he went on his own podcast, uh, much like I like to do, and ranted about how he simply wasn't going to show up. And of course, then he put some posts on social media. And as always the case, they showed the posts to social media where he said he didn't care. He wasn't going to honor the subpoena. So the whole defense of, well, I didn't know if I had to or my lawyer wasn't sure. Or I didn't know what my obligations were. It didn't fly real well. Um, what else we have in the news? I want to talk about Ted Cruz and gay marriage. We'll talk. We'll come. We'll circle back to that in a minute. Um, Ron Johnson. Uh, that's also on the gay marriage topic. Um, by the way, a lot of you guys listened to or did listen to Ken Matthews on WHP 580. You might remember Ken took over for Bob Durgan, and actually R.J. Harris had arranged a competition back in the day where. Myself and I think Epstein and I'm trying to remember who else uh, was in on that. And we all did a show. Ken Matthews did a show. People voted on us. Obviously, Ken Matthews was going to get the show, but it was done as kind of a mock competition to raise publicity. Uh, I was honored to participate in that. I did the one day. Um, if you guys remember that or not, but obviously Ken did that for a long time. And then he got his, his nod to go national. Uh, he actually went national with Westwood One, is my understanding. And the way they did that, you know, I don't know if you guys know this. He's not from Harrisburg. He's from Allentown, Pennsylvania. So they built him a studio in his house in Allentown for the show. He had some studio there, I think, before. But, you know, they tricked it out because you're a national host, a little fancier. His engineer, as I understand it, was down in Baltimore. So he was doing a live show and it was being mixed and, and coordinated from, from another location. So at some point during the show, uh, they went to a commercial break, or he thought they went to a commercial break, and he read some emails, apparently, uh, from the Hunter Biden laptop. Although my understanding 
understanding is there may have been some other profanity or things said that weren't Hunter Biden emails. Nonetheless, at least part of that was, according to Ken, uh, he thought he was not on the air. I've been in many radio studios. Uh, I've been on many broadcasts, and we are careful when we're on the air in a public broadcasting format not to say certain words, right? So we're on Facebook right now. We're on the Internet. Uh, I try to keep this show clean, but we can drop the occasional swear word here. We can say something mildly crazy if we want, and we're not going to get in any trouble. Now, I'm also showing, let's say, on YouTube, and if you do your content wrong, you get demonetized. I don't make any money. I'm not monetized. There's not enough of you out there watching or listening to me to make a difference. But you've got to be careful when you're doing a show uh, on the Internet, right? But not the same way you need to be careful when you're doing a show live on the air nationally on the airwaves. So something went wrong. Somehow Ken thought he was in break. He said some things that obviously he would never have said on the air. He's a broadcast professional. I think Ken was a little touched. You know, he he had a weird view of the Ukraine. Um, I think he sucked up into this COVID thing and conspiracy thing and pharmaceutical conspiracy thing in a way that uh, I just don't buy. Uh, I disagree with Ken on a lot of things. I also agree with Ken on a lot of things as well. Uh, but he was very entertaining. I used to listen to the show. Um, and during my vacation that you all know about, uh, I couldn't get the local show, but when Ken Matthews would fill in for Rush, I would hear that. Uh, I know there's some people out here think I'm some wacky liberal, uh, but I still tend to listen to Glenn Beck, Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity. Uh, also enjoy Dennis Prager. Uh, Hugh Hewitt is a personal favorite of mine, actually. So that should tell you what kind of radio I like to listen to. Although I sometimes listen to it in a slightly, maybe with a slightly different ear to see what they're saying, what they're spinning, and, and listen to the different shows to see what the talking points are. You know there's coordination to this stuff, right? I mean, you guys all want to think that there's some grand conspiracy that Joe Biden's being run as a puppet by somebody. Uh, well, don't forget that the Republicans do that, too. Uh, maybe that's part of the problem Trump's always had, right? He hasn't ever been complete insider never really sure where to go on that. Uh, I hope you guys are getting me good. If anybody does uh, have the signal, throw me a chat uh, up here and we can uh, uh, chat online at the same time. That way, of course, I know you're getting me. You can hear me. Um, and of course, what you want to talk about. So anyhow, I just want to give a shout out to Ken Matthews and say I feel badly for you. Uh, I think you got enough of a national footprint that you should be okay. Um, some of you guys wanted me to debate Ken Matthews. Now that he's been knocked off his high horse, he may have to do what Bill O'Reilly did, which is wander around in the wilderness for 40 days. So while he's out in the wilderness, maybe we can sucker him into coming onto this show. So if anybody's got Ken Matthews' contact information, uh, pass on to him that uh, Carl Rominger would love to have him on. Uh, we could talk about some things. It would be a pretty friendly forum for him. I would not uh, beat him up too bad. Uh, of course, he could beat me up, and it might be fun. Actually, maybe for some healthy debate, and uh, I, I would love to get him on, right? And instead of having uh, 18 listeners right now, or 28 listeners, or 57, maybe we could get 500 with a little a little Ken juice on here. All right. Um, did you watch the January 6th hearing? Did you watch it? If you did, you learned that for 187 minutes, give or take, from the time Trump left the stage until he gave the speech to stand down, He's basically watching Fox News, grumbling and calling senators trying to delay the vote. Um, 
I don't think they've quite yet linked Trump to a grand conspiracy like, like uh, uh, I will send the mob there and hold this up. They haven't quite linked that. It's in the air, okay? It's in the air. Maybe Rudy Giuliani, maybe through Steve Bannon. Uh, interestingly, I don't know if you saw the leaked footage of Bannon now or leaked audio of Bannon saying um, months before the election even happened or a month before the election even happened, Trump's just going to say he won no matter what happens and wait and see what happens. So Steve Bannon seemed to be in on the know uh, that this was probably going to go go that way. All right. So I'm not going to belabor the point, but go back and watch what was going on. Trump was aware of the violence. Trump knew the violence was occurring. And he, if at, at very best, he did nothing to stop it. Now, some of you on Facebook have been saying that he turned down Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer are responsible because they turned down the National Guard. Let's assume that's true for a minute. Arguendo. Lawyers like to say, assuming arguendo. Assume your point is true. All right. I'm going to pretend for a minute that Trump 10 times said, I will send 20,000 National Guard troops, 10,000 National Guard troops. I will send the National Guard. And Nancy Pelosi said, no, we don't want them. And Chuck Schumer said, no, we don't want them. And, and we'll assume that for a minute, the DC National Guard is not commanded slow, solely by the President of the United States, which is in fact the truth. Check their website, check the law. It's pretty simple. The President raises his hand. They say, yes, sir. The president says, stand down, stand back. Or maybe that's the Proud Boys, right, who stand down and stand back. But if the President says, stand up to the National Guard, the DC National Guard, that is, even without prior activation, because they report directly to the President, not a governor, okay? Just like the Pennsylvania National Guard reports directly to the governor, unless they've been federalized, right? Well, the DC National Guard is always federalized, always reports directly to the president. Um, assuming your point is correct, that, that Schumer and Pelosi somehow did that. They said, no, no guard, no, not happening. Okay, now the riots start. So 10 minutes into the riot, 20 minutes into a riot, 30, 40, 50, 60, 180 minutes into the riot, at any time Trump can call the National Guard in DC and say, deploy, right? He doesn't do it. Everybody agrees. His own staff members say he doesn't do it. People are imploring him to do it. Uh, Pat Cipollone, uh, Ivanka, Jared, everybody's imploring him to put out a video, send in the guard. Uh, we learned from General Milley, M-I-L-L-E-Y, that Mike Pence Who's, who's allegedly his Secret Service people are texting their family and calling their families to say they might not be coming home because they're not sure they're making out of the Capitol alive. Uh, maybe if the Secret Service text messages weren't erased, we could verify that, right? Maybe somebody in the Secret Service will come forward and verify that. We'll wait and see. But that's the allegation that's out there, that they literally weren't sure they're making out of the Capitol that day. Um, Trump still hasn't called the National Guard, but Milley says that Mike Pence was firm and commanding. And at some point, Mark Meadows got on the phone with him and said, well, you got to act like the president's doing this because we need people to perceive the president's mildly. just said, that was politics to me. I don't want anything to do with it. But he said, Pence gave some orders, okay? So this is where, this is where Carl says, pay careful attention. If only Trump can call in the National Guard and only Trump commands the military, how did the military come to activate shortly around, what was that, 4 or 4.30, something like that, and start to go to the Capitol? The FBI was sending in a squadron of uh, individuals. 
and the military was responding, the guard was being mobilized. One of two things happened. Either Pence took over officially, and we still don't know about it, that at some point Pence was declared in charge officially. I don't think that's true. Uh, there's that talk about the 25th Amendment being invoked by cabinet members, et cetera. But what I think happened is at some point the chain of command had shifted briefly, or at least decided to honor the vice president in the vacuum of Trump's failure to do anything. That needs to be known because if the president chose to do nothing and he's the president and people chose to obey the vice president, the vice president has no power. That would be unconstitutional for them to take Pence's order. On the other hand, it would be a dereliction of Trump's oath to defend the Constitution and to faithfully execute the laws of the United States to do nothing as well. Now, Adam Kinzinger said Trump did that. Why? He said because the mob was carrying out his will. And so it wasn't until the military was called and the FBI was called and it was clear that the Capitol was going to come back under control and Pence had refused to leave. Um, some belief that the Secret Service wanted to spirit Pence out of there, and that may have been part of the plan um, to get Pence out of there so that he couldn't preside. We don't know. It's speculation again at this point. Uh, we'll see. But I think the most interesting thing, and this is just, again, one of those points, how did the military get called up if Trump wasn't calling the military up? How did the Guard get activated if they did ultimately start to deploy and get activated if Trump didn't activate them? And he's the only one who can. Um, did Nancy Pelosi make the call? Did Chuck Schumer make the call? Well, we, we know that they don't actually have control over that. But we know that General Miley has hinted that he was getting firm commands and orders from the vice president, right? But remember, the vice president's an empty basket. He doesn't command or control the military. So when General Miley said that, he was telling us something. What was he telling us? Well, he was telling us something. I don't know what he was telling us, right? Um, how did I say this? Well. I said this like this, only Trump could have ordered DC National Guard, so how did the military get involved? How did the military get called up? Whose authority, whose order? Was that a rogue general? Was that the Joint Chiefs on their own? Um, this is something that's important, just like when the Secret Service refused Donald Trump's order, right? Remember that? The Secret Service said, oh, we're not taking you to the Capitol, Mr. President. Sorry, you are not going to the Capitol. Well, we need to know how that came to be and and and... We know that the Secret Service probably disobeyed him. Uh, Jonathan Turley, conservative, Fox News guy, wrote a very interesting piece about that. Look it up. Look up uh, uh, Lawyer Turley's piece. He's represented a lot of Secret Service people. He's actually the guy during the Clinton administration that ended up convincing um, the Secret Service that they had to testify. I believe he litigated that issue for Ken Starr, if I recall correctly. Um, and he's written a very interesting article saying, yeah, something more went on with the Secret Service because for them to disobey the president's direction to take them to take him to the Capitol, whether it was a fight or not a fight, is an interesting legal question that probably was illegal ultimately. Um, so why am I trying to bring all this up? I'm just saying there's some interesting things here because we really were in the throes of a constitutional crisis. Even if you don't think Trump was trying to overthrow the government, right? If you don't believe that that's a possibility. I'm not sure how you don't believe that's a possibility. There's enough prima facie. Well, Carl, they blamed him for Russia. Well, Carl, you know, by the way, this is one of my favorite. I wish I would like to be 12 and being raised in a Republican household. Again, or probably a Democratic household for all that matters, because it seems like in America today, 
whenever you bring up like that somebody did something bad, somebody else just says, well, somebody else did something bad. So there should be no punishment, no recourse. So if I was a 12 year old growing up in a Republican household today and I got caught doing something I wasn't supposed to playing hooky or um, cheating on my homework or, you know, whatever a 12 year old might do that could get him or her in trouble, I would just be like, well, Bobby Sue, Billy Joe down the street didn't get in trouble and he stole, uh, he shoplifted and, and, and Susie, she skipped school. And, and, and so why am I getting in trouble? Because somebody else did it. So why are we even talking about what I did? And I always find that funny because Republicans claim, uh, and my Republican friends, remember I'm a registered Republican, but my Republican friends on Facebook claim the Democrats are out to destroy the country. They're evil, terrible people. And then when you ask them about something a Republican did, they start bringing up what Hillary Clinton did or Barack Obama did, you know, that sort of thing by comparison, instead of just saying, yeah, you're right. Our guy did something bad. We should take him to the woodshed on this. Um, suddenly all morals are out the window. That's right. All morals are out the window because suddenly it's okay to mix it up. It's okay to be a little bad. Oh, we, we gotta be bad, Carl, because well, they're terrible. They're horrible. They're amoral. We're better than them, but we are going to do what they do and we're going to justify what we did or we refuse to be introspective about ourselves. Uh, Kim Strassel just wrote a editorial for the Wall Street Journal. If you watch Fox News, you know Kim. She wears on there regularly. She writes for the Wall Street Journal about uh, Republicans and all the spending going on. They're about to sign a big, potentially, she believes, $250 billion boondoggle of corporate welfare. Uh, Rick DeSantis is down in Florida handing out stimulus money to help fight inflation. Doesn't sound very Republican to me. Um, sounds interesting. Sounds populist to me. Uh, what do they call him? The folk populist? Excuse me a second. I need a little sip. I'll tell you guys about my subscription at Sheets. I went down there. I paid $15 a month and I get as many drinks as I want. That's the third giant soda I've had today. I also got a coffee there today. So. You figure that out, you know, you do four drinks a day times 30 days, 120 drinks for 15 bucks. Um, with all the savings on, on sodas and coffee, it makes up for my gas bill. By the way, did anybody notice, I, I put a little, little victory lap, Coral as Nostradamus on my Facebook the other day. Fox News, I put a link up from the Fox Rundown where they talked to a guy, you know, Fox commentator and Fox host talking about oil and that the real problem with gas prices right now isn't the price of oil per barrel or the oil supply. It's pinched refinery capacity and the loss of refinery capacity, the lack of refinery capacity in the United States. And that's really the pinch point right now. And if we have any interruption in the current refinery capacity, like a hurricane, it's going to shoot prices right back up, but they should continue to fall. Um, but our big pinch point is refinery capacity. Go back to my early shows in June. And I was beating the drum on that. Refinery capacity is the issue. And that is a bipartisan problem. It takes years and years to build one. We've done nothing with them since the 70s, which means we can blame every president from Carter to Trump to Biden. Every one of them. Yep, every one of them. And we can blame every Congress that's existed since then. So it's not a Republican problem. It's not a Democrat problem. It's a refinery capacity problem. We can drill all the oil. Listen, if we're refining all the oil, we can refine right now, right? If we're refining all the oil, we can refine right now. If we're at capacity, 
you can drill more oil. That'll push the price of oil down because you can export it, right? It's a world market. That's what's important about oil. Um, I just wanted to have a victory lap on that, okay? Because I know for some of you, once Fox reports it, it becomes reality. Uh, I know for some of you, once MSNBC reports something, it becomes reality. If you want to learn about it first, you look, you come here. I would also have on my cheat sheet here. Oh, so our abortion case, right? So we have evidence now that gynecologists in Texas and doctors in Texas are denying um, DNCs, uh, dilation, and uh, I forget the C stands for. Uh, many of our female friends are probably familiar with what the procedure is. It's basically how an abortion is done, but it's also how your uterus gets cleaned out from a miscarriage. It's also how sometimes doctors wash the uterus out for other medical benefits. Apparently, the problem is because it's a form of abortion in some instances, doctors are afraid because of the fetal heartbeat bill or other factors that they're going to somehow get blamed um, for committing an abortion or if a woman takes an abortifactant like an abortion pill or or cider vinegar or whatever the hell it is, uh, and shows up and, and needs a DNC that maybe they're aiding and abetting an abortion. So now they're waiting until you have a bad infection or other problem. And I actually listened to an interview of a woman who's been trying to have a baby for a number of years, and she's had two miscarriages, and she miscarried about a year and a half ago. And when that happened, she went and had a DNC and ever lived happily ever after, pain-free, et cetera. Went back in another time with another miscarriage after her pregnancy self-terminated again, and they wouldn't give it to her because she wasn't, quote, bleeding enough. And they explained to her that because of the new laws, they just aren't doing them very easily anymore, and she just needed to go home. She went through a very painful process and a, a series of infections, um, uh, which could have cost her ability to get pregnant permanently. So there are consequences. And some people will say, including um, my friend Sandra, says, oh, that's very rare. Very, very rare. It's not very rare. In fact, one of the things that's going to happen is as more and more women go to get their DNCs uh, for various health reasons to find out they're much harder to get simply because doctors are scared they will, that every DNC might be viewed as an abortion or has to have extra paperwork and justifications and, and whatnot. It's better to make sure we document that you were infected or bleeding first because that's always safer from a medical legal standpoint, maybe not from a medical standpoint. Um, well, my favorite Senator, Ted Cruz, uh, having heard about the abortion bill and reading Clarence Thomas saying that maybe we should revisit contraceptive and gay, gay marriage, he's already said, yeah, we need to get rid of gay marriage. And by the way, there's movement now to restrict contraception. Looks like the Senate and the House are going to agree to uh, protect your right to the birth control pill. Remember, some people believe that the birth control pill is, in fact, an abortion, right? Because what it does is it keeps the fertilized egg from implanting. So while there may be no heartbeat yet, it is, in fact, a fertilized egg that is being flushed out uh, thanks to the pill. And apparently that bothers some people. Um, so maybe they don't want you to have the pill. And... Then Cruz said, well, we should also get rid of gay marriage or make that a state's issue again. And Ron Johnson, who's from Wisconsin, a Republican, is saying, oh, no, I'm going to vote for something that will repeal the Defense of Marriage Act. Remember the Defense of Marriage Act, that bill, I think Bush signed it maybe to defend marriage, said states didn't have to honor gay marriage, et cetera, et cetera. That was essentially overridden by the United States Supreme Court's decision 
But should the Supreme Court walk back the gay marriage decisions um, or same-sex marriage decisions, then they're going to have to put something in place, and that's what they would do. So Ron Johnson, a Republican, and in fact, a bunch of Republicans are signing on. In fact, this is turning out to really be shaping the midterm elections in a big way uh, between guys like Oz, who I voted for because Trump wanted me to vote for him. I did not vote for I voted for Lou Barletta for governor here in Pennsylvania, um, not not the maniac that the Republican Party picked, who has zero chance of winning. Um, but I voted for Dr. Oz, who has a chance of winning. Uh, but like a lot of Trump candidates, he's having some troubles. Uh, think of Herschel Walker down in Georgia, who's talking about good air and bad air and has to reveal all his secret love children. Uh, then out in Arizona, they're having trouble. It looks like Republicans will take control of the House and will flip the House, but the Senate's looking like it could still be in Democratic control. So you guys screwed up and voted for some of the wrong people. And the problem is you've got to look at who's electable, not necessarily who you think is the best, which leads me to one of my other points today. I suspect there'll be a bunch of you should Liz Cheney or some other rhino become the national candidate for the Republican Party in 2024 for president. I am saving all your posts. I'm archiving them. Actually, Facebook's doing it for me. Um, but I'm going to be enjoying myself pulling up all the rhino posts about whoever, uh, whatever centrist the Republican Party ultimately picks if they don't pick DeSantis. Um, and the DeSantis-Trump war is on full bore right now. So... I don't think I have too much else for tonight. I just wanted to talk about those high points, let you know how I was feeling about a few things, what to watch for. Um, gold, buy gold now. It's a hedge against inflation, right? In fact, uh, you should be stocking up on gold in case inflation gets high because then gold will hedge your portfolio. Did anybody notice that gold's down, 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 even though inflation's up, 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 and the dollar's strong, strong, strong? Um, Go back to the economic indicators. You know, I had some guy the other day trying to tell me I don't know anything about economics. Uh, he's a tax attorney, and I was telling him, just, you know, you don't agree with what I'm saying. Just say the opposite. Tell me why I'm wrong. Um, he didn't want to do that, right? That's how these guys roll. Um, do I think the U.S. dollar is done? No, I don't think it's done. I think the U.S. dollar... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I think the U.S. dollar is 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 going to continue to be strong. And the petrodollar, uh, you know, the Chinese are trying to get the oil traded in 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 the Rian or not the Rian, the Yan, whatever, whatever. What is the Chinese Rimbi, The Chinese currency. Um, what is the Chinese currency? I've got. I think I got it right somewhere in there. Anyhow, long story short, the dollar is the reserve currency of the world for the moment. Probably will be for a bit longer. But that does go into my whole theory, by the way. Um, electric cars, people are demanding electric cars. They're buying electric cars like crazy, but more importantly, the rest of the world is mandating them. Um, Elon Musk just surged to another earnings win. So the world is being driven by economic forces and factors beyond America. That's why it's so silly. Biden has destroyed this country with high inflation. Oh, he took England with him too, and Italy, and Argentina, and Russia and China, oh, da, 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 da. You know, everybody's got inflation for different reasons, 
but inflation is out there because we're in the middle of a massive supply shock and a massive demand ripple being set off by COVID and a complete world shutdown and world restart. Um, look at natural gas. The Russians are not selling as much natural gas. Europe wants more natural gas. The United States is starting to supply that natural gas, but we don't have the pipelines, right? We don't have the LNG facilities built out because we sort of scrapped that a few years ago when we didn't think it was going to be that important. Plus, there just wasn't a good price for gas, so people were really thinking it was going to make a lot of money. Well, now we've got this shock and all this money pouring into that. They're going to build out all these facilities, and the price of gas will stabilize and maybe even come back down. Uh, maybe they won't get all the facilities built, and some will get canceled because things will roll again. Uh, our economy is a series of actions and reactions. So, for instance. If you're a really good consumer, right, you never run out of toilet paper because running out of toilet paper is critical. So you go and you buy some toilet paper. Um, how much do you buy? Well, you could literally fill three closets with toilet paper. And maybe after the COVID thing, some people are like warehousing tons of toilet paper, right? But in reality, 24 rolls, 48 rolls, and when that gets really low, buy another one. Um, that works really well until everybody decides to go to the store and buy 96 rolls in the same weekend. And it just happens to be the weekend that you're down to one roll when you leave the house and you go grocery shopping, you go pick up some toilet paper and they don't have any. Um, that was a demand problem, okay? A demand spike left you without toilet paper. Well, the same thing. Uh, if people aren't buying a lot of something, it reminds me of restaurants when they go out of business. Uh, I'm sure there's somebody out here who owns or owned a restaurant and understands about what I'm about to talk about, which is, do you ever notice that when a restaurant declares that it's going to be open only one more week, everybody's like, oh, please don't close. I love your restaurant. I love your restaurant. And, and the owner of the restaurant will say, well, they all say they love this restaurant, but they never came here and spent their dollars. That restaurant had to close, even though people professed to love it. They thought they loved it. In fact, they even planned to go there again, but they didn't utilize it. And economics come into play and the carrying cost of the restaurant uh, doesn't justify that capital being tied up there. So the restaurant gets sold, disbanded, dispersed, the workers go other places. That's actually healthy in an economy, right? But it also means that when we don't utilize a resource and we're not selling a resource, or there's not a demand for a resource and the price isn't high enough for something, um, a lot of times there's not a lot of infrastructure built out around it. And so, you know, the, the good example is if you live in a town that has a McDonald's, a Burger King and a Wendy's all in the same square, right? They're not using those griddles to full capacity. They're making so many hamburgers on each one. Maybe you'd only need one to supply everybody. But in an emergency, when you really need griddle capacity, you got three griddles. So you can turn them all on and you'll have excess capacity built into the system. Um, if on the other hand, you're limping along with only one restaurant because people aren't buying a lot of burgers and you suddenly need a lot of burger capacity, a lot of griddles to cook on, that's the hypothetical we're using here, uh, you're not going to have it. So your infrastructure, how it's built out and how it's allocated. And by the way, if everybody suddenly needs griddles at the same time, the guy who makes griddles, he can only make so many at a time. So bringing that back to refinery capacity, we can only refine so much oil right now. If we're limited in what we refine, uh, we can't make more. We have to build more refineries first. But to build the refineries, you need the nilobium and the steel and, and, and the catalytic converters and all the fancy chemistry equipment that goes into one of those places, as well as the gas or energy to run it, right? And so one thing begets the other. It reminds me of like when you're trying to upgrade your computer at work and they say we have this new software for you and you get the new software and the guy's like, well, your processor speed isn't good enough. 
but really you need to upgrade your processor and then the server system you're running on and the new processors really need this new. So anyhow, when you're all done, you have to upgrade like five levels of infrastructure instead of the one thing you thought you were. That's how all these things work. Uh, I know I'm preaching to the choir here. All right, guys, I'm going to wrap up tonight's show. I appreciate you listening to me prattle. Uh, lesson for economics, though, is we don't know where it's all headed. We are not the biggest player in the world per se anymore. Chinese demand, Indian demand, European demand, Japanese demand, and even Brazilian demand uh, and supply can move the markets, okay? We're not it anymore. America used to set the stage and the styles. Remember, there was a time when everybody wanted Levi's, right? The whole world, and they wanted Marlboro so they could be an American cowboy. Uh, that's not the world we're in anymore. Now, you're watching movies with Chinese characters and themes in them because Hollywood's decided that they could sell you the movie and repurpose it in China or even make it primarily for the Chinese market, right? So the world is changing, folks. All right, love you all. Talk to you soon.